0: Welcome back to the Catch Up, the only uh, food news podcast on the world where two guys sit naked and talk about food and bring their friends in the room.
1: It's three guys and we're fully clothed. Hey, girl. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> Whatever. Roll the intro music, boy.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome back to another week of the Catch Up. It's Eli, your boy
1: Jeff, and Bobby.
0: Hi joined by Bobby, baby.
1: Bobby Guys, bonus. This is the
0: second time Bobby's on the podcast. First one was a
1: lot of fun. Bobby big time. Bobby big time. Again. So many names. Bobby been there. Bobby been there. Check it.
0: Bobby is the director of all our Food Beast events. He's also uh, the owner of 100 Eats, which is an amazing PR and uh, social media agency out here in Orange County. And um, I figured it would be a perfect time to bring Bobby in because... I've been working on this write-up for Foodies.com about who I believe to be 2018's most important food Instagram accounts. Ooh, savage. <laughs> and I mean, I I was inspired to make this list because I saw a whack-ass list on Zagat. So I think that's how you pronounce it. Zagat is basically like yelp but not as dope and bought by google bought now
1: on the chopping block for Z- google
0: zagat used
1: to be tight let's be honest
0: it used <laughs> to be cool it used to be where you would go for restaurant recommendations locally whatever i'm not talking about the quality of the them anymore but they basically put out this list of a hundred food instagrammers right like yeah. there's no there was no chrono there was chronological and that was the only resonance in the whole piece they just listed a hundred of them why it pissed me off is they just listed a hundred tagged all of them and sent them little buttons and pins and shit that
1: the apron looked cool
0: the apron looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> maybe <he's> slightly jealous <laughs> i want a plaque coming. maybe i'm just hating bro. maybe because they didn't put me on the list i'm like really offended but i, I know i know i get what they're doing they They put out a list with 100 people on it so they could tag 100 people and have those 100 people promote this list. They didn't have any context as to why you made the list why you're important, why you're a good Instagrammer, why you're good for the community. To me, I was like, this is the dumbest list ever. And everyone on that list was, (laughs) you got duped into promoting the list. Yeah. The only reason I heard about the list, not because I follow Zagat and care what they say, is because I follow Food Baby and care what he says. (laughs) And I follow, the people that were mentioned on that list, I really do respect and I find them to be great food Instagrammers. And a lot of them are friends and people we work with or talk to consistently, you know. Yeah, exactly. So again, I don't think the list is wrong. I just think it was
1: dumb. Yeah, and we're we're gonna talk about hacking, I'm sure, in a number of ways. But this was a publisher hack. This Mm. was, I am a publisher that's trying to gain more influence with various communities, one of them being the Instagram foodie community. It's a community that they're a part of they have 250,000 followers, so they're, I'd say, a decent part of. But not something that I feel like you know them for. And so that's them sitting in a conference room not too different <laughs> like us right now yeah. saying, how do we get more influence on Instagram? And some guy was like, well, we build a top 100 list, and we create some dope aprons. <laughs> and then we send them to people. And like, you know... In the egotistical and maniacal way that influencers are ready to promote themselves because they have to in order to be worthwhile and have a business, they accepted those packages, they accept those nameplates, and they post about Zagat. So they won. They won. Zagat they won. got it. They they, they won. Move. And I've already seen multiple influencers that were a part of that top 100 in the bio. Like in, in, bio. in the bio. Yo, in the in the bios, they got top hundred, which. You know, more than the apron, I know Eli, you're jealous. You cannot put that in your bio. We can look it up. You are not on there. I
0: need more shit for my Instagram bio. Right now it just says co-founder of Food Beast and it has my Fortnite username. <laughs> I
1: like, trying to get some people
0: out and now all my friends are on the Zagat top 100. Motherfucker, what is Zagat? Ask my ask your little cousins what Zagat is. They have no idea. And they'll call they'll think you said a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, kind of in response, I wanted to do a bit more thoughtful of a list. So what I did was I asked uh, a panel of industry experts, media agencies, my friends, people that I work with here at Food Beast, and other influencers who the, the questionnaire that I sent to them was just, name me your top three most important food Instagrammers. i didn't give them a lot more context outside of that because i think importance is relevant so it, it relative so if it, what's important to me as the publisher of food beast is different than what's important to my mom who consumes recipe content and uh follows travel <laughs> vloggers and whatever like
1: not to say that your well. mom really influenced this list. I think that wasn't intentional. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, yeah
0: uh, unintentional. My, I didn't ask my
1: mom <laughs> anything. No,
0: I don't, I don't care what hey she mom, thinks about this morning. Morning. <laughs> I love you, mom. But she would skew this list like a motherfucker. <laughs> she follows so many Middle Eastern food accounts.
1: <laughs> She'd probably uh, still be like, yeah, Mario Bertali, he's still cool, right? He was like, <laughs> super cool. <laughs> ooh, ooh, rough name to put on the Ouch. list. Rough name. <laughs> Have you read the
0: news? Yeah, not right now, mom. Not right now. (laughs)
1: but not so not you didn't go to your mom but the perspective changes right person to person Mm -hmm. so we asked a number of people outside of our organization influencers themselves people who are buying media and buying campaigns and looking at influencers um so i feel like it's a pretty pretty diverse selection of not just us but when we go to the curation of this list there still is a food beast curation sure so we went we went beyond Foodbeast to get feedback. The way we gathered that feedback and put this into a list is really yours, Eli. Yeah, so the, the final list that will launch on
0: foodbeast.com, I have to preface, was curated, had a lot of data, it used a lot of different opinions, but at the end of the day, it's my list. It's not in any particular order either, so just because you're number one doesn't mean anything. It just, it just means you made the list, and that's the order in which I was writing out your name. I'm also not going to go through all the names on this podcast. But Bobby and Jeff, you guys see the list that I'm working with. So let's feel free to talk about a few. I, let, I'll let i just jump into... I have Stir and Style here. June Kwan. June Kwan. She's local to LA. Yeah. Um, but why I think she's important on this list is for a myriad of reasons. She's a well-documented... Ex-attorney, she's very smart. Uh, good-looking girl. She's an entrepreneur. She owns a company called. Uh, she owns a restaurant called Shrimp Daddy. I think she's working on another concept. It's a drink concept. She has a, a fitness business with her uh, fiance. fiance. So, outside of her accolades and why she's just a good person and businesswoman she has found a way to stand out amidst all our other foodie friends and and now she kind of has brought
1: mukbang to an american audience the mukbang thing is the is the biggest thing for me because if i think if you looked at june's account 18 months ago right then i think you would have seen a dedicated foodie that goes all over los angeles and and has great photos and does a lot of the things the the average foodie does right because again if and for a quick second before we talk about june some more i think it's also important to talk about the archetype of the ig foodie right Mm. because the archetype of that foodie in general people who have large followings and are a part of our lives and our go to our influencer events like and we've hosted influencer events across the country you're talking about high contrast high saturated photos right you're talking about showcasing indulgent foods right F- fried foods fried chicken french fries desserts you're talking about how they're expanding from like food to travel to lifestyle right like that's every foodie that's trying to be on instagram are, are pro- mo- most likely doing those things what i like about this list and what i like about june is they go beyond that and that's not to say i don't have respect for the people doing great high contrast high saturated photos of foods that i want to <laughs> eat it's fucking awesome but the differentiating factor i feel is what people on this list because there are people on this list that do that but they go beyond that. And June, I think, is one of the stark examples of, well, no one's doing mukbang that I know of in the US the way June is doing. And so the fact that she's bringing something that's inherently popular in Japan and Korea to a US audience, and that US audience is really resonating it, I mean, that's trailblazing to me. Because they haven't seen it before. I mean, so mukbang, if you're not
0: familiar, is it's it's a big thing in 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 Eastern countries where they're they're going online and live streaming, and just eating food, and you're just being one with food, and and it's organic. But we we haven't seen that too much in America, let alone on Instagram. So for her, she's kind of trailblazing there, and people are taking note. And she's hacking the Instagram algorithm, like while everyone else is like. Oh, man, that new algorithm change really fucked my feed, man. Oh, I can't reach the audience. You're not owed your audience. And June understood that. Like, Je- Jeff, when you were saying, like, her feed, frankly, before this, looked kind of like everyone else's. Like, she showed herself a little bit, which was cool. But at the end of the day, it was a food account around L.A.,
1: Right.
2: Right? Like and I found her a couple of years ago because she was doing that anyway. She had pictures of her outfits and they coordinated with the colors in the food and that's why I was initially interested because she was doing something different. You know, and she was really trying to differentiate, differentiate herself there at that time. And then kind of like as she was getting more invited to different programming at events or restaurants, then it started to start to look similar to the other ones that, you know, now we follow all of those people that have the Oversaturated pictures and that really high, you know, exposure or whatnot. Um, But yeah, then now with the the mukbang style is 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 what's really well. And
1: and with the algorithm change, right there, and we're not necessarily we don't work at Instagram, so we can't say (laughs) that the the algorithm is X Y or Z. But we read what we can about the algorithm changes and we also test out a shit ton of content all the time on Mm. these platforms. And so what we can say is that we have a belief that video's getting prioritized through Instagram and she created a concept that made sense. It's a minute, which obviously is like the length requirement for Instagram and she talks about food and she brought mukbang to that format Yes, there's been an algorithm change, so adapt, and I think that's the perfect example of adapting, because now, I want to say, like, 18 of her last 20 posts are video posts. Like, she knows what's engaging, she knows what's working, and she's going to, I'm assuming, going to continue and stick to it.
0: She's not resting, and you're going to notice that a majority of the people on this list... Don't rest and don't rest on their laurels and don't rest on what worked five years ago, four years ago. And the the general theme is Instagram and Facebook don't owe you shit. They don't owe you anything. Just like the way TV doesn't owe MTV airspace because they were dope 10 years ago. Like they have to come up with a new dope TRL in this day and age Or like people will just skip over that channel. We're not owed anything. And I think it's because so many young Instagram and Snapchat or whatever influencers feel like they built their audience and are now owed it. But you're not like a TV professional. You're not owed shit. Like you did a great job building your audience, but you can't rest on what was dope even sometimes six months prior. So that's why someone like June is cool because Bobby, you mentioned it, when you first met her, she was doing fashion and food, right? Cool, food took off, so she hammered home the food. Cool, food got stagnant a little bit, people's photo looking the same, I'm going to start eating the food. I'm going to start mukbanging, that's what I'm seeing. And now, she's she's at the creme de la creme of it, and she's really blown up. 172,000 followers, but outside of that, the followers aside... She has high engagement. Engagement. People are actually watching her stuff. People are actually commenting. People actually know her name. That's way different than having a million followers and no one knows who the fuck you are. So that's why Stern Style made the list, my opinion.
1: Yeah, I also like the fact that the authenticity level is super high. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, she has told us, and I believe this, which is, I think, one of her core values, is where she posts stuff that she is actually excited to eat, Mm -hmm. which you know is a is a lens that's you can't say that for everybody including ourselves like well, I'm gonna say, we yeah. don't we have food beast doesn't hold to just like that lens of like solely posting about the food that we believe tastes good we showcase food because of its novelty we showcase food because of its news value we showcase food because it's available nationally with 500 location it has an impact on pop culture but she showcases food where she believes in the food and she wants people to know about it. And so that audience and that engagement, that fact that they can I think, trust her, that's, that's a differentiating factor for Instagram. And on top of that, she also like goes on her feed, like with herself, sans makeup at the gym, yeah. wherever she's at. And I love that because that's just the opposite of the Kardashian, Kardashian generation. Right. Yeah. And so I love seeing that.
0: Yeah. I think she's a good role model. Like, She's out there hustling. She's not an Instagram, quote unquote, influencer. She actually works. She goes, she has a, she has, she owns businesses. You see her training. She's eating off the food, which is always a very valuable thing because like, how do you stay so skinny? Well, she's also, half of her stories are her in the gym. Like that's why she's staying skinny. Um, And at the end, at the end of this list, another core of it is that everyone on this list in one way or another is authentic, either to themselves or to the brand they're trying to to build. So Foodbeast posts all this like different stuff. Lot, some of it isn't from us. But The idea is we're authentic to sharing what's new in food. It's not about what Eli's doing, what Jeff's doing. You can follow us separately for that. And I think uh, next on the list, I have Andy. So Andy Wynn is a co-owner of After's Ice Cream. And why, again, people on this list aren't necessarily people with millions of followers. I, that's not what's important here. He has 64,000 followers, but I think he's a food entrepreneur that seemingly tells all. He talks about, he shows his business meetings, his actual feed is full of food porn, but you see him behind the scenes building an ice cream empire. It's almost like following Ben and Jerry's early on, right? Like imagine if they had Instagram early on. I don't think he's Ben and Jerry's, but <laughs> But he he has a different swag because he's doing afters, and then he has these other businesses, these other restaurants, and I like those people as influencers. And though most of the food he's posting up may be from his own restaurants, at least that's honest. He's listed the restaurants that he owns in his bio, so there's no confusion. I don't find that kind of perplexing at all. I think he has an active, engaged audience that's actually young, and looking to be an entrepreneur like him. And I think in the age of Gary Vee, and there's a sexifying of being an entrepreneur. I think that's why Andy makes the list of most important food Instagrammers.
2: And I think why and he really separates himself uh, there too, is with the stories, really sharing like mm. who he is, traveling a lot, going to countries all over the place, and that makes me really in tune with what he's doing. And similar to a lot of the other Instagrammers on this list, like they use stories as a platform to kind of give you a insight on who they are outside of their like one post a day or two posts a day. They really get to show you, you know, how they create dynamic and behind the scenes and what's going on in their life as well as in their business. And I think that really adds to the reason why you would want to follow them and want to engage with those people.
0: The best part is like when Instagram launched stories, you really saw who quickly actually was interesting and who like, oh, I don't give a shit about you. <laughs> like, cool. Yeah. Andy is actually traveling all across the world. <laughs> and then you have all these people who are putting up food and now they have to engage on the story side, but they don't have anything to say. Yeah. <laughs> and they're they, to the top. And they're all <laughs> mad. They're like, Oh man, Instagram algorithms really whooping my ass. Well, like, you didn't know your brand before. You didn't. And so that's what people are are kind of like feeling the hurt of right now is not knowing your brand. You ended up becoming a feed of food and didn't differentiate. And so we appreciate the food porn you shared with us. But outside of that, I hope you did not make that your full time business. Yeah.
1: And for our national audience, I mean we we've talked about Andy a lot on the podcast he's been on the podcast. He was actually on the first episode of the catch up. Uh, you know, he's known for After's Ice Cream, which is a California, like, I'm assuming 15 to 20 location now chain. Uh, but to me, his biggest imprint on pop culture is the fact that he, in my opinion, is one of the originar- originators of food as fashion as marketing. Mm. So, com- like, coming from that streetwear world and understanding what a drop is and what it could mean in pop culture and adapting that to the milky bun right adapting that's brilliant what he's doing right so he he took that culture of all right well we used to release a streetwear capsule and this is how we would do it and we'd have 500 kids line up around the block (laughs) Mm -hmm. to wait for the streetwear release and we knew him while he was doing that right and then he just literally pivoted that over to food, and also had the brain, so I'm going to create something that's very packageable, that's very marketable, and ultimately went probably one of our, the top viral stories in food Beast history from putting ice cream in a donut. That's a very simple premise, yeah. right? It's a very simple premise that a million different people and entrepreneurs could could have done may have done or you know you know and see amazing food stuff every day so that's why people like that's
0: why not everyone is making this list is because we could talk about the most viral pizza ever that we covered but most of those entrepreneurs no knock to them haven't been able to leverage that news cycle into over 15 stores being something that ben and jerry's and these big ice cream brands look at Because what Jeff's saying is Andy came from... He owned a streetwear company. He owned a clothing line. And the way they released stuff was these really hype-driven drops where people would line outside of the store to pick up limited edition amounts of either a shirt, shoes, or whatever. Now, every time they open up a low-cost ice cream store, they treat it as if it's a supreme sneaker drop. Right. And they just you know, it's brilliant what they do. They'll give away ice cream. Like, ice cream doesn't cost them diddly shit, but they get a video and photo and Instagram assets of 250, sometimes 500, thousands of kids lining up outside of the stores. Like... That's why you should follow Andy's account because he's giving you the blueprint on how to do it for years. That's why, like you're not getting that from other accounts, and that's why he makes this list. Thank you, Zagat, for including him and not mentioning any of that shit.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know, actually I don't know if you made it on that list. If you if he didn't, you messed up. But <laughs> but that's that's why Andy makes that list. I'm not here to circle jerk or be a homer for people in Orange County. The next one I think we should talk about is let's just pick someone on this list that's not from Orange County. Um, I'd like to jump to Food Baby, New York. Yep. Food Baby, New York. One of my favorite Instagram accounts.
1: <laughs> one of the funniest things to me on the on the Zagat list was how he got awarded twice. So, <laughs> yeah, motherfuckers. Cause yeah. He, he, food. <laughs> top 100, 101 food Instagrammers from Zagat. <laughs> Number 56, Mike Chan. <laughs> <laughs> Number 63, <laughs> Food Baby, New York. I was like, same guy right and look separate accounts separate accounts both so doing well different influence <laughs> different, different influence they have like, like different brands and different vibes and i'm just like come on Zagat. <laughs> you're gonna put them on twice yo bro this house the
0: Zagat made that list they had a fucking intern hit instagram and just searched food food beast food babe food new york food this food that and then the intern had together. to insert a list of 150 and they whittled it down to 100. like that's how that list was made. <laughs> Anyways, why Food Baby is important is he's essentially created an empire. <laughs> A social media... It really
1: is an empire. He has,
0: again, Mike Chow, his personal account. He has Food Baby New York. And he's what he's done, though is because he actually has a good job outside of being a quote-unquote social media influencer, he don't give a fuck about your free food. (laughs) He'll go eat wherever he wants with the kids that he loves, and he makes content that he feels good about. And that's why people follow him. That's why his Instagram engagement goes up when everyone's goes down, because it looks different. He's actually with his kids. Oh, video works. I'm gonna take funny ass videos with my kids eating food and they're just gonna be honest. Ooh, I didn't like this Nutella because it looks like poop. Like, they're (laughs) amazing. And that's, he's so different from any other quote unquote food influencer because he walks the streets of New York and just picks the food that he wants to go to because he has the money to do so and he doesn't need your comp. Like, that's so refreshing. When you talk to someone who's in social media. For, for those of you guys who are just listening and are like, what the fuck are you talking about? A lot of us foodies eat based on comps. We eat based on a PR company sent us here. We should try it and we need content for our Instagram. Food Baby New York, I'm not saying he doesn't do that ever. Like People invite him because they want him to go there and I'm sure he goes and he appreciates that stuff. But he also... When we meet with him in New York, we're meeting at a restaurant, he stops at five places on the way there because he likes this guy's ice cream, likes this guy's pizza, paying out of his pocket. And you could tell from his feed that he's just honest about it. And you can't take that away from him and he's going to keep owning it. He doesn't put a lot of branded content out there. So why it's an important Instagram to follow is because it's honest. He's actually giving you a blueprint to New York City as someone who actually eats in New York City authentically. And I
2: think that goes even just beyond like you know the, the style of photos that he posts, but even even into like the pictures of his family and they're like eye rolling or <laughs> the videos of whatever. And, it, and his photos aren't like you know oversaturated, super filtered. There's none of that. It's it's very raw and very authentic in that way. So I think he's really smart. And, and even into like the the lines of text and you're like reading through it like it's a joke or like a one liner about his family and like all of that's really like real, real personality parts of him that you don't see a lot in a lot of the other feeds
1: yeah plus they're the american contemporary family like they're beautiful goals they're yeah they're 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 not they're They're family goals shout out to alex thank you (laughs) (laughs) alex his wife (laughs) beautiful fun and the 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 personality differences between <laughs> between Mike, who's, like, low-key, and Alex, who's, like, in-your-face New Yorker, right? <laughs> and then the kids, who are amazing, and I owe them a babysitting session soon because <laughs> I just love their kids. But, like, they're also really cute. And have yeah.
2: super great personalities. So, so it's not,
1: it like that's definitely helping the, <laughs> the, the, fact, the fact that the babies look that cute all the time oh yeah if they had ugly kids they can't be dead a year ago like, it works because the kids are cute um, and now they just have to keep having babies <laughs> which because... Alex is fine with <laughs> so that'll be in, that'll be the interesting progression as uh, they have to just keep having babies
0: <laughs> so he's important the food baby New York empire is important following Mike personally is important It's so refreshing. I just had to bring him up. I had to put him on this list. Uh, Now, on the other side of the coin, can I bring up people like these two people made the list? Daily Food Feed, who is run by It's Out of Orange County, run by a friend of ours named Jed, and Devour Power. I think we should just have them in the same conversation. They're in New York. So these guys take all their own photos, very high contrast. Um... Great following. I think each one of them probably has close to 600,000 followers each. Um, pretty big names, respectively, in each of their cities. High engagement. High engagement, real followers. On both coasts, regardless of your, if you're from the city that they're representing or not, you want to go to the city that they're doing, I think they're good ambassadors, ambassadors for yeah. it. But if people don't know, they're actually posting their own clients the whole time. Like, a majority of the content that is running through their feeds are people that pay them to take beautiful photos. That's not a knock.
1: I think that's beautiful. And we we have to say, too, we do that, too. So here at Food Beast, we have paid campaigns. You'll see that all the time. One of the the big differences is disclosure, which is is something for me that I just want to put out there. Because in a lot in a, in a lot of ways, if you're following Jed or if you're following Valpower, which are great people and great accounts, and they're fucking on this list, we respect the shit out of them. Is that, I for me, I don't always know when it's a client, but now I kind of have to assume it's a client because I know they're clients now, yeah. right? So I think that's something where, as a user, it's inter- I'm interested in to get feedback from you guys, like the listeners, about how. Do you feel some type of way about it? Because if you do, I think you should DM us and you should talk. And yeah. if you feel some type of way about us and our branded content, same thing. Yeah. Because uh, it's definitely an added filter on top of the filters that are hitting those photos, right? It's, yeah. uh, it's a way they're curating content and it's a way they're making their a respectful living. So sure. we're not, I'm not calling that out, I'm just calling it what it is. So here's,
0: I think Devour Power. And daily food feed are important because it raises questions like this and it shows though the utmost extreme in turning a food account into a very profitable business and they're the prototype for becoming a food social media agency sure and that's why I think they're important on both coasts because if you're looking at how to do it they're doing it now the questions of disclosures, if people who aren't, they might be, again, I wanna take the time always so to like, people who don't know what the fuck we're talking about, sure. thank you for making it this far. <laughs> uh, but the idea of disclosing if your content, if you are paid to create the content that you're putting to your followers, is a very important one because at Food Beast, we're very strenuous now about. Like if McDonald's pays us to post about a Big Mac, we're going to do it, but we're going to tell you that they paid us to do it. You're going to see a hashtag ad. You're going to see a hashtag sponsored. But if you run an account where all the food you post is the clients that pay you monthly anyway, it's a gray area where are you supposed to keep telling your audience that this person is paying me? Or do you just now assume that if I have posted the same taco shop, once a week for a year, you just know that like, okay, Daily Food Feed loves this taco shop. <laughs> like, I, I don't necessarily feel some type of way because if you're following them for that content, you know what you're getting yourself into. And I'm not going to Daily Food Feed or Devour Power for like a personal authenticity necessarily. I'm not looking. At least I'm not. I'm not looking for Jed's opinion on stuff. I'm here for amazing food photos. I'm here to see how he's kind of hacking Instagram for the next kind of like big framing of a photo. And I I also think that they vet their clients rather well. I think they decide to post stuff that does taste good. I do think they don't post shit that's like totally whack. Like they're... I know them both personally on both coasts, Devour Power and Daily Food Feed, and they're pretty stringent on who they take on as clients based on who they think their
1: audience will like. Well, because they can't hurt their own engagement because that's their business model. And I think I I look at them because I respect the business model, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because those two accounts of anyone on this list are probably some of the more successfully financial accounts of anyone on this list.
2: I think what's important to kind of say here too is that both of those accounts really, uh, maybe pioneered's the wrong word, but inspired a lot of other accounts. In, in their style, yeah. in the way they, you know, showcase food, how like in color, in clarity, in you know saturation, in in all of those things, and now you see that replicated in other accounts everywhere. A little baby accounts that for sure give you know homage in that way to Daily Food Feed and Devour Power because of their success. This is the nerdiest
0: <laughs> food conversation <laughs> ever. And
2: I love it. You're welcome. I love
0: it. But yeah, I I think they're incredibly important, and I think if you're looking at accounts that are. Made Making money, doing this food thing. Look at them. Just that's it's an idea. It's good. It's good to look at. And everyone on this list is important in a different way. These guys are making money from their account. So here's how to do that. That's why they made the list, in my opinion. Yeah. Um. Can we talk about Tim Busanich? <laughs> Big Tim. Big Tim, Busanich. For
1: the audience that doesn't know Tim. You should describe the relationship that Food Beast has had with Tim and what he's provided us content-wise. Like, you need... We can't just go into, like, his Instagram. Sure. What's up? that nervous
2: smile, Eli?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tim Bucanich is one of the most important food media personalities that you'll never know by name. Tim Bussanich is a... I'm gonna put this in air quotes. I love you, Tim. He's a quote-unquote, recipe creator that literally does not give a fuck. (laughs) He created stupid things, by all means of the word, of just taking hamburgers, putting them on a pizza, deep frying the pizza. He stuffs, he'll smoke out of a Big Mac. He'll put wheat, he'll hollow out a Big Mac and smoke weed out of it. Now, you might be thinking, okay, why the fuck is he so important? When Facebook decided they were going to do video, Tim decided he was going to put this stuff on Facebook. He hit me up. He was like, "Hey man, I have these videos, can we share them together?" Like, "Yes, let's do it." I start sharing his videos on Facebook on the Food Beast account. Food Beast maybe has like 500,000 followers at the time, That's years ago. The videos take off. We find out that Facebook wants this content they want these 30 second, 60 second videos. This is before BuzzFeed Tasty. This is before Taste Made. We're putting up these videos and fuck, man. Millions of views on these videos. This guy's shooting on his phone at his house in Portland and he's just smoking weed, laughing the whole time. And we're like, yo, this is, then I took note. I'm, like, I'm gonna learn from this guy. If he's making videos on his phone, why can't I? I have a kitchen at my house. I started making recipes. I start I start creating In-N-Out Burger pies because I have a phone and I have an oven. This vi- now I put that video on my channel on Foodbeast channel, 24 million views. We hacked Facebook like we understood that like this is what Facebook wants right now. That video, those In-N-Out pies, the stuff that Tim Busanich was doing, got us from. 500,000 followers on Facebook to a million, to two million. Now, Unilat, all the big Facebook media publishers, they go, they start creating like Tim. They'll never cite him, like they'll use his videos, but like, that's where the Facebook thing came from. This idea of this top-down recipe shit, it came from something as silly as Tim Busanich creating these recipe videos and just toying with them on facebook like he deserves the credit for all this shit and it's it's it that's why he makes this list he's not again he hasn't really like he had health issues so it's hard for him to keep up on that stuff but and he's really just this savant he's like crazy so he's not really creating the same recipes he used to but by finding a vulnerability in people's psyche that they wanted to see people smoke out of a burger. They wanted to see the food items that they loved in McDonald's and Burger King and the shit that like, you were afraid to say that you liked. Tim did that. And that's why he's so important on this list. Even in 2018. Obviously, he's not the same creator he was back then. But most… The people on this list don't owe him a lot, but like BuzzFeed, Tasty, Unilad, all these people that are still publishing his content to this day because it still engages and grows their pages, they owe him a lot.
1: Yeah, I love Tim. I disagree with him on this list. And, and Tim, I know you're probably listening and I love you and with all the health stuff you've been going through, like we, we want the best for you, you know, and I can't wait to see you. But I disagree with your opinion of him on this list, and this is why. I don't think he's a 2017. I I think that he Mm. brings so much legacy to the food game that Tim Busanich is a food digital media hall of fucking famer. Like, fuck 2017. This guy is a hall of famer because he literally just showed you how far you could go and people still cared. Because if you asked anybody in food, anyone that had influence in food in 2012 and 2013, if you created a video with a McDonald's cheeseburger and then you stuck your finger in it, if that was gonna be, if that was gonna be something that engaged millions of people throughout social channels, for whatever reason, they'd be like, no, there's no way, we're never doing that. And so we literally changed food media in my perspective. But if you're going to build a list for 2017, I feel like you're bringing so much of the legacy over the past five years into a list that, like, what? I mean, I'm not sure if if his recipe of air video was 2017. I think it was earlier, but...
0: He's still trying to hack. I get get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And this, again, this is why this is my list. You know, like, I got feedback from a lot of people. Tim wasn't on a ton of people's list, but it was on mine and some key people that I respected. He's still trying to hack. Again, a lot of his key influence and changing shit came... In, in the years that Jeff's talking about, 2013, 2014, people starting to take note, I still see his videos shared on these big pages, but it's content that he created years ago and not what he's doing recently. Now he has videos of air and a recipe for ice cubes. <laughs> which cube, is amazing. Which is like still which going is everywhere. everywhere. Viral shoot, everywhere. He's still shooting his shot from like the other side of the court yeah. and hoping that one of these things sticks and then he keeps running with it. So... In that sense, I think that's why I put him on this list, is like, if someone, it's kind of, it's kind of that hope, if someone did something amazing four years ago, you, you have this like hope in the back of your mind that he can do it again, and you don't want to not empower someone like that on the off chance they bring you another revelation in 2018. So that's why he made, that's why he was, that's why he's worthy of discussion on this list. Um, I agree with you, past couple years, it hasn't been that like, he's been really defining or pushing things through. But it's that it, it's kinda like that dude you still bring in your sixth man because he was dope <laughs> at high school and and he, he do he might pull out some weird shit like and, and really save the game. So that's why that's why he was there.
1: And for one second, can we talk about the that type of food creator? Yeah. Because uh, Vulgar Chef's on your list, which vulgar I think Vulgar Chef, is, yes. Which if you talk about Vulgar, if you talk about Josh Elkin, if you talk about Dude Foods, right? Um, Some of them on this list, some of them not necessarily on this list particularly. But I also don't know where that vertical is going to go. Mm -hmm. And so one of my problems with like Tim on the list is I don't know if our audiences or food audiences i don't know if the food hacking of just doing crazy shit the epic mealtime, is the primo example of success from that type of content which birthed josh elkin and things like that i just don't know where it's going because right like we were a home base of it like tim's stuff had a home base on foodbeast.com and our social channels and Josh and, uh, you know, Volga Chef. They still contribute content to our channels. But I just honestly don't know where it's going. And I'm curious if like what you guys think about that vertical in general. That's why I didn't include
0: those people on this list particularly. Um, I did include Volga Chef because I think his content is different enough where... He's creating these recipes, and 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 we're lumping these people together mainly because their recipes came from the same era of embracing fast food and creating recipes with it, and have just kind of having fun, unconventional. Experiences in the kitchen.
1: They change the vessel, right? So much about their recipes are, we're going to showcase something that's familiar enough to you, but in a way that you've never, never seen it before, right? So, with Josh and with Vulgar Chef, they're just doing crazy, and uh, we should probably name some examples, and I'm blanking. I mean, imagine a
0: burger crust, instead of it's deep, it's a deep fried Big Mac, or a pizza shot glass so the the shot glass itself is made of pizza dough and inside that shot glass is marinara sauce like they just they're reimagining shit that you would think of when you're stoned and high and you're like laughing like would well, it be funny if pizza was in a shot glass like that's their, <laughs> their that's their recipes
2: but i feel like you know similar to how you were saying that uh you know back in 2013 that they that Tim kind of inspired you to create similar content I feel like you know that style has now been in in every publisher's hands and they're trying to replicate that kind of success with that type of content and now I I almost feel like there's it's a little oversaturated of a position and the creativity is not as affluent as it was when it first came out. You know, mm-hmm. you really have to try to identify yourself in style and in, and in recipe to to make that your own. And now there's really a whole bunch of other verticals that, or, or styles, that allow you to have that creativity which makes your content engaging, which I think will kind of force that other recipe style content to be not as engaging as it was
0: before. I agree, and that's why Vulgar Chef makes the list, because He's not just creating those recipes. He's a dad that is vulgar and will create the pizza shot glasses. And if you don't like them, he's explicitly telling you to gargle his balls.
1: <laughs> right. Every with, time. Every time. Every time. <laughs> so, so much, much ball-barking. <laughs> it's like without fail. And if it's not as balls, it's something else. You're welcome. <laughs> he, the, the contrast, Eli, that you gave to me, right when you were describing Vulgar Chef before this podcast, sticks with me because. Uh, it's so true, because I've seen it, and then your description of it was so funny. He's, he's on, so vulgar chef is on camera, and he's making something wild in his kitchen. And by the way, his kitchen is just a house, it's a normal kitchen, and, and he's, like, talking to the camera, or doing his voiceover, because he kind of sets himself up first, like, talks to the camera, and then goes into the kitchen, and it's kind of overhead stuff, right? But he's in the kitchen describing it just potty mouth as hell just like it's literally like stirring something and it's just i can't even i don't even want to say it on the podcast I'm like bleep yeah bleep just bleep. like constantly and as he's saying the most disgusting thing related to whatever he can imagine Is right his little kid just it. walks in and he grabs his kid <laughs> and like and he's a good dad you could i know i'm not, like we've met kyle He came to one of our food festivals, and, you know, we love him online. He's a great dad. He's a good, good dad. That likes to talk (laughs) so foul. (laughs) And he'll do it with his two-year-old kid, just, like, chilling chilling on his lap while making a video. And that's pretty amazing.
0: There are studies that say... Foul-mouthed people
1: are more intelligent. <laughs> Just saying. Just throw that out there. That's Just good. Just saying. So that, e- that's Eli is also uses foul language. Yeah, I can see. I can see the bias. I, I love foul <laughs> My friend from Chapman wrote the study. <laughs> uh,
0: so yeah, Vulgar Chef makes that list because not only is he doing those creations, he has a personality to back it up, and the brand that so many people were afraid to fund back in the day has now withstood the test of time. He's still creating on YouTube, still has a very, very engaged audience. He has a community on Facebook. It's not his main page. It's a community of thousands of people that share recipes while talking in very potty-mouth form. (laughs) They just make fun of each other. It's their safe place to just call each other names and not be PC and not be politically correct. It's beautiful because he's built this community of other vulgar chefs and you can't take that away from him at least not this year and My hope would be that more people fund the vulgar chef that more people align themselves with chefs like him that have a family and are millennial dads and Like it's all about this millennial Moshe. What about cool-ass dads like Kyle who have? bump in youtube pages and cook for their kids and have fun and embrace being a good father i don't know we need to fund more of that shit too like we need to look at good parents and support them somehow and so if a good parent like that's what i guess uh mike food is on this list too like good parents are cool like that shit's tight so
1: and and, and and again for context for those that that don't know the vulgar chef it's literally the most non-brand friendly channel that you can imagine <laughs> in existence outside of not doing anything like pornographic. But from an audio, voiceover, personality standpoint, the guy, the guy has lasted uh, uh, maybe, maybe close to a decade now of, of content without, without being co- commercially friendly. Like, that's crazy to me. And so that's that's how deep his passion is for what he's doing, is that this is a hobby and a side project that he's continually gotten better at. Um, All the while, like, there is no hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored, handshake disclosure, partnership stuff.
2: I feel like there's a Hall of Fame versus a 2018 food Instagrammer. I'm starting to feel like there's a difference there. Sure,
0: sure. I still, I think vulgar chef is not – he definitely makes a Hall of Fame. He's more attuned to the 2018 list, I'll have to say, than Tim Busanich, Because with the advent of Vice's Munchies, the kind of content that we put out at Food Beast, it's not your Food Network shit anymore. Yeah. So eventually the sponsorship and the ads – and the acclamation to people like Vulgar Chef will catch up.
1: Like- well yeah, and well, and Vulgar Chef set the sta- I mean to, to back to your point Bobby about the, the the Hall of Fame. Kyle set the stage for Action Bronson to be Action Bronson like Kyle was, a- Kyle was action before action. Like I mean, obviously he wasn't a renowned rapper and <laughs> he wasn't a musician. Minor point. <laughs> I, I, so, so, but I'm just saying that the stuff you see on Vice now that's broadcast on TV, in addition to their social channels, of action just wiling out in the kitchen and saying whatever he wants. More vulgar than vulgar chef. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm just, and I, and I think that it took that level of. You know, people separated TV and digital, right? And so, Volker Chef was this blogger online that could say whatever he wants because he's not doing anything commercially and it's online. But now you're seeing that resonance, right? You're seeing... And Action Bronson's on our list. Like, Action Bronson Mm -hmm. is someone that's really having, I think... uh, Bam Bam Baklava, Bam Bam Baklava is, is kind of changing the food game from... That celebrity perspective because he's not someone that you would think that has his own food show he's not he's not a bourdain right he's not someone that worked in kitchens and i think he's thoughtful but he's not thoughtful in the same way that like tony's gonna bring it right he's not anyone from food network he's a literally literally anyone he's a rapper he's you know he's a white rapper from new york that had some experience in the kitchen but mostly just doesn't give a fuck and like knows enough stuff to where the episode is actually great right so whether he's making baklava with his grandma or whether he's or when he was with mario batali making italian food yeah right like he's actually giving real insight to it which is what you need for a food show you can't like can't just be anyone yeah but on top of it all, he's just like, well, let's just ride wave runners, right? Because that's yeah. fun,
0: because that's fun. Action Bronson's setting the tone for the new wave of food show hosts. Because once Action Bronson makes it to this grand stage that is TV, that is Viceland, or whatever, you now can't look at old TV show hosts. You can't look at old food show hosts cuz it looks so stale. <laughs> yeah. It looks so st- like if you're not a bourdain, if you don't have a chip on your shoulder, you don't know that you could possibly let an f bomb slip like we don't want to watch you anymore. Sure. And I think Action Bronson, I think Eddie, I think uh, uh these these new show hosts are really showing that you don't need to be from Cordon Bleu cooking school, or what, is that a school? Yes. Okay, Cordon Bleu. Shout out to that.
1: Hey, good job, Eli. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, I am very uh, food savvy. Didn't, you didn't have to stage in France. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but once you see that, I'm like, that's the kind of food show I want. I want someone that I, that's possibly me. Like, Action Bronson, again, is a successful rapper, but to at the beginning of his food show hosting, he wasn't the action Bronson that we know now It all. He worked really hard. He was creating shows that weren't watched by a lot of people. So it all started somewhere. But that's why Bam Bam, <laughs>
1: I'm referring to everyone by their Instagram videos. Uh, so
0: that <laughs> that's why Bronson makes the list because he's so important to food television. So laugh at that, whatever. Um, I don't know if... Bourdain is one of those like Hall of Famers that could make the list every year just because he's Bourdain, but I don't have him on this list because I don't think he's really influencing specifically in the word of Instagram um, If we kind of keep it there Uh, But Bronson is showing us the behind the scenes on his Instagram. He's showing us his lifestyle Uh, Bourdain not so much Uh, So that's why Bam Bam makes this list. So very very important very important. So
1: and I think, and from a foodie's perspective, the fact that action is realistically one of the only, like, quote-unquote true celebrities in the mix on this list mm-hmm. is because I think we have a value of watching everyday people tell their stories. and they, And they have to be good storytellers. But regardless of where you came from, we're just looking for great stories. And so that's why I vibe with this list. And and, and so Eli created this list. I've looked at the list before the podcast, but didn't join in the creation of this list. But why I'm proud of this list, that shift I think is representative of our audience and at least of a majority of people in Food Beast, the way they're eating food, right? I'm excited to watch reach an Evan of food beast to go into a restaurant and give me their input. Not because yes, they do have more experience. They're writers or managing editors for a food publication, but they're also just everyday dudes and everyday gals that we like watch. And I think that's something where as much as they're the leveling of the playing field as it relates to Instagram and the algorithms. Yeah. We don't own our audiences. But there has been a leveling of the playing field, and you can just be yourself. Yeah. And if you look at media or food media specifically in general, and you watch like Bobby Flay cross his arms and be like, I'm a badass, I'm gonna take you down, right? And like that's basically why Gordon is famous because he like turns up the heat literally in the kitchen. But Okay, th- those are fake personalities, yeah. right? I want to see I want to see what's, what Gordon's portraying now when he's like on Insta stories, right? Or how action is on Insta stories because that's raw. Go- Gordon could th-
0: there's a there's an argument that Gordon Ramsay could make this list even through his Instagram following. Totally. Uh, totally, I mean, he puts up good food stuff, shows the behind the scenes of his shows. Uh, I I just felt like he's such a hall of famer in the way that. Bourdain is that he doesn't need to be on this list, and I'm not trying. To. <laughs> he I also
1: mean, doesn't care. Here's the thing. And, and, and this isn't Shout out like to this. Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He but, if you, but if you do care, oh, they're...
0: I'm gonna be on an episode of one of his shows. I think I could say it now.
1: Oh, you think? Yeah. You think is that is that Actually, a legal question? Uh,
0: whatever. <laughs> I didn't say the name of the show, but just watch TV. If he has a new show, I might be on it. Um, but it's important, though. So, Gordon, yeah, sorry, I had a brain fart.
1: Well, I th- I think, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, if we're talking about Instagram, Gordon's Instagram count is amazing and would probably make the list. I think we're trying to make the list approachable because we're the everyday food news source, and so, like putting people on that list that you already fucking know what (laughs) what type of what type of utility is that like action okay he's still a celebrity but if you don't watch vice or don't listen to rap you should check out action bronson and that's an actual utility yeah versus if we're like giada's instagram is dope then what are we doing because you you can you either know that or you've chosen not to follow and i'm not trying to create
0: a list like zagat did where i'm trying to get 100 people to link to the list Right. I'm not tr- I could put Gordon on this list and put Eddie Wong on this list and put all these people in the hopes that like, yeah, I made this foobies list, here's a link to it, we get a bunch of traffic. I want you to actually get people that you may not have even heard of. So if you're hearing all these, some of these people for the first time, I'm happy that that's happening. Hopefully you go follow someone new that's doing something different and you get something out of it. Whether you are just a fan of food and want to see more good food photos and good food places to eat, or you're another food Instagrammer that just wants to take notes from someone that's doing something cool. That's the hope for this list and not just getting a bunch of people and making them feel good that they're on a list so they can share this list. I don't give a fuck about that. And when you sent this to me, that the the title was
2: Most Important Food, Instagram accounts and why they're growing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like naturally celebrities, because of their status or influence or whatever, they're gonna have a growing following because people are interested in celebrity, period. But how I read it was more that, you know, each of these People create and have content that is unique in their own way and inspire other people to create unique and different content that makes you want to be engaged from a level of not by celebrity, but by but by content and interest and, and genuine you know nature of whatever that quality is for each of these people.
0: Yeah, and then that's can we talk about hungry gentlemen? Because because yeah, the point on this list is <clears throat> if you've been affected by this quote unquote algorithm change. Just be yourself or be something cool and be something different. Look at The Hungry Gentleman. It's a great Instagram account. Let me paint this picture. Every food photo that The Hungry Gentleman takes, you see what shoes he's wearing, maybe a bag that he has on the side, and it's stylized so he draws on his Instagram photos and it's like okay, I got this burger from Shake Shack and then these shoes are from Louis Vuitton oh, my pants are from H&M it's really cool, it's his utility, I've never seen food photos, I've never seen an Instagram like that. And he highlights each ingredient
2: and the picture of the yeah. food is beautiful with the fashion like kind of outset around it, I, I mean, I, I follow that account and I love it, I <laughs> think it's very different and unique.
0: As a content creator watching this guy work is also brilliant, he brings <laughs> (laughs) a duffel bag with different color shoes so he could change based on the color of the food so it all looks good in the Instagram photo. Brilliant. That's creating content. He's doing it for his audience, for people like you, for people like me who want to see something new. And that's why he's going to grow. He has room to grow. And he's not taking it for granted. You work that hard, you deserve a growing audience. Absolutely. A hungry gentleman. And similar to
2: uh hungry gentleman, you have uh chris from egg on here which is you know personal friend of mine but similar is you know the levitating food (laughs) style um, that uh, that he has is is very not only unique but takes time Mm -hmm. and effort I've seen him create content and he like each piece of food is like separate and he's holding it so that he can get the right angle to look like it's floating when he puts it all together and now he has it down to a science where he could like go to the side and then like 30 minutes like put this beautiful photo together that you're like is that shit really floating or did he throw that in the air like and that's the question he wanted he wanted to have that like evocation of emotion that you're like oh my god is he really like tossing that shit and did he really capture that moment you that know Egg
0: is so great and why he's so important is agencies Egg was brought up a lot and when I ask people who are the most important Instagrammer is going into 2018 food Instagrammer Egg was brought up. If you guys don't follow Egg, what Bobby's explaining is that. Spell he- Egg so they can follow. E H G G. <laughs> look him up on Instagram. Good, <laughs> good. <G-g-g>. So. <laughs> 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 he makes food look like it's floating. His hand is in every Instagram photo, and the food is floating above it. Like it's, the force. The whole. Yeah. <laughs> It's totally a, like the force. It's a, it looks like he's throwing it up. So it evokes a lot of emotion. Is it going to fall? Oh my god. Are you wasting the food? Oh shit. How are you doing that? So agencies are starting to look and that's why I think it's so important. People are starting cuz he doesn't he can't trademark that style. Yeah. People know that he made it and he, he kind of made it his own, but I saw Taco a, Bell Taco Bell do
2: it. Yeah. Like and I was shout, like, hmm. they didn't shout egg
0: out. No. Woo but everybody else
2: did on the on the comments underneath that oh, Taco yeah? Bell post there was people like at Egg <laughs> like yeah. Chris I see you like,
1: like <laughs> you know yo Egg if that's some white label stuff and you did that for them and they didn't shout you out but you secretly got paid do you <laughs> do you play? Do you money, he it. And, if, and if you did it, <laughs> the damn take that as flattery my friend yeah, that, that the mo- the biggest food social media company in the world is looking at you yeah. and, and emulating that.
0: And that's why he's important. That's why he's on the list in the scheme of food Instagram accounts. Different. You stop in your feed when you see his stuff. Absolutely. And that's why he's doing different. Now, does he have to adjust in the future? Maybe. You know, how long do we want to see food floating in the air from him? Maybe his next next step is video. Maybe he somehow makes video versions of his floating food
2: i don't know that's what's his next and his story content is like that too and like some of the food he's like throwing up in the air and like slow-mo and you know i, I think back to the kind of the story thing that we we're talking about with june egg has a really good uh you know feel of that too behind the scenes like his life what's happening he just moved from new york to la like that whole story is important and
1: knowing that is, is is strong what i like about so many people on this list and we can list a ton of them but they're unafraid to step into discomfort when they're getting food content because if you're if you've taken a food photo at a restaurant, whether you have a light, you stood on a chair, and those are the simple things you can do. Like the level of discomfort from a from a social perspective, and not social media, but from like a person to like person, like feeling weird in
0: public that you're so, taking yeah, pictures of food. Like
1: from a, from a public perspective it's visceral like you feel it you feel you feel the eyes move toward you you feel the staring there's there's people that have approached me in restaurants for having a light that's ruining their experience the the waiters and the the chefs can judge you because they don't agree with what you represent in the food world and that's that's happening for every foodie influencer right yeah but then on top of that you're going to a restaurant You're like, thanks for the food, and you're chucking it up in the air outside. (laughs) No one understands that shit. So the fact that you have a – he now has a go-to explanation. I don't know what it is, but I know he has to have it because he's done it now dozens, maybe hundreds of times. This is my living. Yeah, or just like when someone goes, I just gave you that food, and you just – basically threw it and it hit the ground like i know he has an answer for that and that's that's not a comfortable place to be and when you have to do a video like june in a busy restaurant and a light shining against you in a blank wall because that's where you need to be to do this video and you can barely get the audio and you're speaking loudly over the noise of the room to get your content i'm just like that's fucking amazing that's you, cur- that's courage do you <laughs> that's think are
0: food influencers and food instagrammers uh, are they experienced are food instagrammers looked at by the food industry the way that like fashion bloggers and fashion Instagrammers are by like the traditional fashion industry like you know how you have a regular runway model, high fashion with an agency, whatever, and then you have an Instagram fashion model who just like takes photos herself or her friend takes it. She has probably a crazier following than the old school model. And then we have the same thing on the food side. We're like, who who, do you, who are you, fuck boy, taking photos <laughs> on, on, on a table of food in and, and a, and a nice steakhouse in the dark and now you're lighting up with your stupid lights and annoying all my guests. Like, Who are you? You're not like a New York Times food critic. So, do you think there's this this connection between the two that's like that we can kind of relate to to fashion Instagrammers that way?
1: I think all industries that were heavy in traditional media for influence are now adjusting. Will looked at social media like, fuck off, because we at this magazine do stuff this way and have done it this way, and this cover cost me $150,000 in production to produce this cover. So, fuck you, Instagrammer, with like you're on the street, like you wore a dress today, <laughs> photo shoot. Like, look, what we're, iPhone look eight. what we're doing. <laughs> but then, the power dynamics have shifted, right? And so, the, the same people who, well, at least in the food world, who relied on the Michelin Guide and James Beard for their restaurant to survive and said F you to the people who are taking photos of those food, well, you now have to understand the business ramifications of not being on Yelp, not being on Instagram. And I think a lot of restaurants still thrive, right? Because there's still Gen X and baby boomers that still have lots of money to spend. But you do have to ask that question now of, if I reject this because I don't like it, Am I rejecting an entire generation? And, am I, and, and are you going to essentially have to close your business because you were on a high horse? And I think that's what's happening now. Because a lot of chefs that feel the same way about how a lot of traditional chefs did about no social media in restaurants, well, they aren't good enough. They're
0: changing their tune. Is there anyone, because I know we're running up on time, is there anyone that you guys feel deserves like an honorable mention? Real quick, these are by no means all the people that are going to be on the list, but we just tried to pick a few that stood out.
2: Yeah, I mean, going back to your point about our, you know, what I what I felt was, you know, kind of the reason for putting this together was that you, you know, wanted to have people that really kind of have their own feeling of of how they're creating content and what makes them unique. Style and voice. Yeah, style and voice. And so, you know, I I talked to you know. Some of my Instagram friends and and who inspires them, you know, and, and a lot of people brought up Tara Milk Tea. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I account. have seen her very uh, aesthetically clean Stunning. account. Stunning. Explain her account to people. So uh, from what I gather, it's very uh, you know travel based, um, but there's food in it, but. Uh, I don't know if you know what a flat lay is, but it is a table. I did not uh, know there was a scape- term. There is a term. Oh, the
1: flat lay—that's new to me. <laughs> I, I instantly knew what it was. Right?
2: So it's a table, basically full of food that you shoot from top down. Okay. And it is—it is by far how you know lifestyle is transitioning into like or making known in the food world. And Terra Milk tea, you know, was mentioned by uh, Celine Lenarte and uh, Foodie on Fleek, which are two of Food accounts that are my favorite, and and they're inspired by the flat lays of Terra Milk Tea because they're colorful, beautiful, set in these like you know Thailand, Indonesia, Bali, and they're they all have their own color tone. And she uh, Terra Milk Tea chooses this like green, pink, but every picture has that. And she has over nine hundred thousand followers, Ooh. and is a it's brilliant content creator. And so that just that was one of the ones I wanted to bring up for sure.
0: Yeah, Tara Milk Tea. Shout out! I do follow that account. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Ah, man, we go on. This is a very interesting topic, and the idea of of taking advantage of social media is very interesting. So, uh, there's no end to this discussion. I feel.
1: Yeah, and I feel like a lot of the accounts that we're specifically talking about happen to be, you know, major metros, LA, New York. I would love to hear our audience feedback from influencers that we should be following people doing really different things whether they have a thousand followers or they have 500,000 followers please dm us email us leave a comment do something because we're we're watching this as closely as we can but we also have our biases and our own perspective uh, i did want to mention too that i, th- I feel like You know, and I don't know how you
2: are combating the algorithm. I think that's important to kind of mention, like, the things to do to help, you know, kind of combat that style or or what's happening now on Instagram. You know, a lot of the feedback that I got from, you know, uh, Instagram friends that I reached to, like, Love Tram and Cheap Day Eats with, you know, pretty decent food followings was, you know, like the rules of, like constantly be engaging like Mm -hmm. even though that the algorithm is like you know kind of drawing attention away from your account like still respond to all of your followers you know i don't even know if you have tips like that or anything but
0: some some tips out the gate are i mean the general tip because this tip could change a a month out based on how and people think instagram changed their algorithm like once a year they change it every day like this is a company where their whole business is the feed so they're making these little tweaks every day so absolutely engage your audience i mean we do it i if 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 five people took the time to comment on my photo in the first 10 minutes i'm commenting back every single one yeah like good or bad if they don't like the photo like shit what did i do wrong like ask those are all extra comments that engage your photo and it's telling instagram is just a machine Facebook is just a machine and I don't give a fuck about you. They just it's just a machine and it's trying to understand what to show because it's getting millions of inputs a day. So the more one of those inputs has this activity around it, the more it will show to the rest of the audience. So regardless of how Instagram or Facebook changes in the future, I think that underlying idea that things that have activity early on will always be seen by more people. So regardless of what changes in the algorithm, unless they just do the dumbest shit and just decide (laughs) to like delete your followers, that will always ring true. And it's rung true on YouTube. All the social platforms, the algorithm changes on them, have all been the same, I feel. So when, when we were hot on YouTube, and I don't mind admitting that we're not as hot as we once were, we were getting millions of views of video and we just assumed that like we could we could leave that audience be for a couple of years and come right back and those hundreds of thousands of followers that we had on YouTube would just be right back open to our content, they weren't. Like The algorithm noticed that people weren't interacting with your videos anymore because you stopped giving a fuck about it and so it was like I'm not going to show your videos to as many people until you prove that people will comment on your video and you're giving them content that they want to see so that rings true to uh like look at epic mealtimes videos they were the hottest channel on youtube 7 million subscribers their videos get maybe fifty thousand views like they don't YouTube doesn't owe them anything seven years later.
2: yeah,
0: Like, they didn't change their content that much, they didn't adapt to anything that much, and that's just what happened. So, in terms of taking away stuff now, it's just never rest. So, is, if video's working right now, who knows? Again, Facebook is like, Mark Zuckerberg's just this machine guy. <laughs> he, he He doesn't convey his business very well. All he's doing is like, you know what, today, like, uh, video is really important, so uh, I'm gonna prioritize video on the feed. Yo, so, that sounds like Mark. That sounds like Mark. <laughs> yeah, I, I know Mark. Mark's my guy, right? <laughs> so, he, he talks like that. And he was like, Video's important, I'm gonna prioritize video on the feed. So every motherfucker in their, in, in, on the planet creates video for Facebook. We didn't have to do that. They're not paying us to do it. Facebook is commoditizing us. Like, they just wanna take advantage of us. Whether it's a company like Foodbeast that makes a lot of videos a month or your mom who puts up one video a month that's an accident video <laughs> that she didn't know she was even recording. <laughs> Facebook is just taking advantage of that. And now Facebook is like, eh, you know what, video is not as important. And uh, uh, sorry, uh, we're going to prioritize other things, your, your friends and family. Like your fu- Facebook does not give a fuck about you. Instagram does. None of these companies actually care. So once you realize that, you realize, okay, it's just a machine. How do I take advantage of this machine?
1: Well, and here's what they what they do care about. Every algorithm change that we've described, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, is trying to increase the amount of users, users that address the platform and the amount of time spent that they spend on the platform. So it's pretty easy to understand why Facebook doesn't prioritize outbound links outside of its own platform because they don't want you to leave the platform right and so i think if you think about it in that lens of if you're trying to build an audience great that's awesome one you're not going to own it we've talked about that a number of times but if you still want to build that audience how are how are you going to build content that engages someone for a longer period of time and that's it that's what you have to think about constantly and when something doesn't and you keep doing it you can't be surprised when an algorithm change happens, which it happens every day, that it's changing and fucking your shit up. And so I think that's something where if like if you're not adapt, adapt or die, adapt or die. Like that's it. Yeah. Because if you're not noticing these things, well, then food beast could be could be over tomorrow if the algorithms change and we don't adapt. We've been lucky that I think we've got some brilliant people here that are able to spot some of those things and then we test it out. You guys don't see what we test out because it got really low engagement and really low viewership and you never saw it. <laughs> but we've seen it yeah. and then we try to continue to adapt. And so I think that's just something that I, I wanna echo yeah. of like, well, how are you gonna bring more people to your page and more people to the platform? And if you think in that way, and experiment enough, you'll have some sort of track
0: Don't be someone else.
1: Like don't it sounds yourself.
0: so stupid. It sounds like such a teacher thing to say to a kid, but if you are someone else and now you're back in the feed, they're not going to remember you. But if you're actively having conversations with your audience, so if you put up a photo and people comment, take advantage of those comments and comment right back. Don't give the lol or heart back to them. That doesn't help. Have a full conversation to the point where they'll respond back to you. And now you have two, three, four, five comments with one person. That's engagement. If you're genuine about that engagement and you're not just fluffing it because people can read through lols, Instagram, the machine can read through your one word responses. That doesn't help shit. But if you break, again, what Jeff's saying is Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, they want you on their platforms longer. So if they see a piece of content that is keeping people there, if you're, if hundreds of people are commenting on this photo because it asks a question or it invoked the feeling, Instagram's gonna keep that at the top of the feed because it's keeping people on their app. That's gonna be their ethos forever. That's what they care about because that's what they can sell ads against. That is what it is. All this shit shouldn't sound like a negative at all. Like, yeah, they don't give a fuck about us, but we can have, like, they gave us a lot. Like, without Facebook and without Instagram, like, we received access to two billion people, right? We didn't have that before. So acknowledging that, you can start taking advantage of it. Engage with your photos. The last I heard about this dumb algorithm change, which I didn't even read about because I knew the underlying sentiment would just be, create good content that your audience wants to see at the end of the day. I did hear that what it does is it tries to test your content to 10% of your audience. If they like it, meaning if they engage or like or do something with it, then it will show it to more of your audience. And that happens real quick in the first, whatever, hour. I don't know. I don't work at Instagram. At the end of the day, remember, it's just trying to surface the best content and best is relative. So you might think your content is fire, but if people aren't interacting with it it is no longer fire to your audience like if you have 10 friends at home and they've been your friends for 10 years and you keep saying dumb shit they're they're gonna tune out they don't owe you their ear for very long like once you say two or three dumb things it's over they're not gonna like and the same hide thing hide
1: from feed. The, yeah. what, a, what a great feature, bro! I've had, I've had
0: so many family members that are just saying some weird shit. The Earth is not flat. Go to a building that's three stories high; you can see the curvature of the Earth. I'm just saying, like, just it's it's not it's not that serious. Go outside. Go outside, guys. Does that feel right? Does that help some of the our influencer friends? God bless. God bless this podcast for letting us rant for that fucking long. <laughs> I hope. I hope someone picked up something from this podcast. Uh, can we do a shitty outro? Go back to that.
1: <laughs> there it is. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Bobby,
0: follow at one hundred eats on Instagram. Follow at Jeffrey Kutnick on Instagram. I'm at Book of Eli. And um, that was another episode of the catch up.
1: Subscribe to us wherever you can find podcasts, turn post iTunes, Stitcher, etc., etc. But also, please, please review and leave us a comment, and we'll be uh, forever grateful. We will engage.
0: We'll engage with you on social (laughs) media,
1: players. Talk to me. Just talk to me. (laughs) And when we don't, we're sorry. (laughs) So sorry. Uh, That's
0: been the catch up. Thank you, guys.